Welcome back to Talking Lead. This is episode 30. We are back in Talking Lead quarters here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. That's right, the Lead quarters. We want to thank our sponsors, Firearms Radio Network. That's our bandwidth sponsor. It's firearmsradio.tv. Holder and Green Professional Real Estate Services, HG Press. That's Call them at 800-615-1840, extension 222. Call Tia and Marty for all your real estate needs. Also, All or Nothing Tattoo Studio. That's www.allornothingtattoo.com. And all of their pro-gun-friendly merchandise, t-shirts, all kinds of artwork. That is strangleholdmerch.com. We've got a new segment we're going to start this week. We're going to start promoting artists, musicians, TV stars, actors that are pro-gun and their new products or whatever they've got coming out. And the first one we're going to talk about... We've got two to promote today. We do have two to promote today. The the first one is Blues Traveler. They've got a new album out and they're on tour right now. John Popper is a very, very Very pro-gun. Yes. Supposedly has an amazing collection that we were eventually going to talk to him about one day. But they have a new album called Susie Cracks the Whip out. And you can go to iTunes, just search Blues Traveler, and you can get that information and get that new album. It's awesome. I've been listening to it for the last few weeks, almost every day on the way home from work. Kind of one of those pump-you-up albums. Yeah, you played a couple of uh, songs for me. It's awesome. I What's, like it. Yeah. It's uh, reminiscent of old-style Blues Travelers. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Like it. Bring, brought back some memories. What was the other one you had? And then our other one that we have is our good buddy Rob Hunter, yep. who is a uh, artist. He's currently doing work on, I think, the Green Lantern series with DC Comics. But he's done some Marvel and uh, some other labels as well. But uh, big shout out to our buddy Rob Hunter. He just sent us a big box of autographed various labels like Batman, Green Arrow Comics, and uh, we're going to be giving some of these away to our listeners. Awesome. Thank you, Rob. So, Left Hand, what'd you do with guns this week? Well, you and I went out to the Nashville Armory. We did. And uh, we had a great time out there with Andrew and our little buddy, Sean. Sean. And he's not little, I just say that, because <laughs> he's short. Uh, but they set us up with the uh, fully auto M11. Wasn't it? It was the M11. It was something. It was a 9mm full auto. And what was that, about a 50-round mag that we shooting through that thing? Yeah. That was freaking phenomenal. It was my first experience with a, with a full auto, so <laughs> jazzed. Did a couple of videos with them, and we did a couple with Kellen McGowan from the official Rednecks. That's right. Kellen came up, spent a couple hours with us, yep. and uh, we got to know him, and... Uh, it was a fun time at the Nashville Armory. Now we got the we got to get the other two official rednecks on here now too. Yeah, I so. don't think we'll have any problem doing that. We need no. to go down and visit them. Yep, we, we got an invitation to go there. And then I also earlier this week, and some of you guys have seen my posting on Facebook, uh, visited a new range out in Woodbury, local gun range in our area. It's fairly new. It's been around a little over a year, I think, but uh, it's called the OK Corral. And uh, they've got a really nice setup out there. It's an outdoor range. They've got a covered pistol range. And then they've got some other pistol. They've got like three or four pistol ranges that you can go to. And they've got some steel targets set up out there also that so you can shoot steel. So that's kind of different than what you get in most ranges around here. And then at their rifle range, I believe it goes out to 500 yards. Uh, there, was in, there wasn't anyone there. It was a Sunday. I was the only person there at the range. They didn't have anything marked as far as distance-wise. But it looked like to me it was about 100, 200, and then they had the 500-yard. So I was just uh, getting a couple of my ARs tuned in and uh, did some shots with the uh, 45 and the Glock out on their pistol range too so that was a good time you guys can go to our facebook page and see some pictures of that 
This is Gabby on Guns. Yep, that's right, everybody. It's time for Gabby on Guns, and we've got Gabby Franco here with us again. So welcome back, Gabby. It's the second Gabby on Guns so far. Yay. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> How you doing? Very good. Working a lot, around 12 hours a day, more or less. <laughs> good for you. doing for 12 hours a day, girl? Well, between giving classes, answering emails, autographing books. Traveling. And traveling and projects. My yeah. mind doesn't stop. So it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's, you know, like a non-stop. But it's great. Sure. It's all good. So have you have you been anywhere since, uh, is it Cabal is where you were last? Yeah, I was in Missouri. And um, I really had a great time over there. But no, I haven't gone anywhere else. I thought having July relaxed. After I released my book and everything. That's what you thought. It has been, it, yes, exactly. It has been just as crazy. That got blown out of the water, huh? <laughs> so the next, um, in August, I'm going to be in Washington State, in Arlington. So I'm nice. excited for that. I've never been in that part of the state. I'm going to cross the whole country. A lot of time. history there. Yes, I'm very it's, excited. Uh, Arlington Cemetery? No, that's no. Washington, D.C. Oh, Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's still Washington, though. Arlington, Washington. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be in Arlington. What have you got coming up? At, this is going to be one of your uh, female seminars, though, right? Yeah, well, the funny thing is that, you know, that this is like a tour for shooting for girls, for ladies, to try to promote the ladies to go out and shoot. Not only shoot, you know, it's not only, okay, yeah, i got to just get a gun and go to the range. No, it's just being responsible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about, oh, now everybody have a gun, I want to have a gun. No, be responsible, know how to clean your gun. So it's more about that. More about being responsible for yourself, right? Exactly. And But yeah, the gun shop who's coordinating this, which is Norpoint, that's their name, they said, Gabby, guys want your class too. And I'm like, oh my God. So <laughs> yeah, We were just talking about that, weren't we, off air? I know. So I'm going to have a Saturday shooting class for ladies one day. And the next day is going to be mixed. He said, Gabby, uh-uh, the guys want the class too. I'm like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> You could start a whole franchise there. You could do uh, women, then you could do men, and then you could do a women and men's class together. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. That'll be awesome. <laughs> so you, you are busy, busy, busy. We're trying to get you to come to Nashville and yeah, uh, and, and maybe do one of your, your uh, seminars here and do a book signing. So yeah, I it's pretty much what I'm going to be doing in, in, in Mississippi, so... Just yeah. let me know. We can put something together. Now, this week on Gabby and Guns, you want to talk a little bit about fitness and firearms training, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, one of the things that is, and I have been shooting for 20 plus years, 21, 21 years. And the beginning of my shooting career, I used to do an Olympic shooting. So picture this. In Olympic shooting, we shoot one hand steady we don't move in the female competition we don't move for one hour and 15 minutes and you oh would gosh. think exactly and you would think why do you need any physical training right you will say oh you're not doing anything <laughs> right. <laughs> Is it, right but yet i used to run 45 minutes every day i used to do a lot of push-ups i used to do two hours in the gym and you will think what <laughs> <laughs> Why does have anything to do with the shooting? But now if you think a little bit more about the logic about shooting, you talk about pulse, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Breath control. Yep. Exactly. It's your pulse. So what happens? An athlete, 
has a muscle, his heart is on muscle. So if a normal person doesn't work out, right, doesn't have any type of cardio, his heart is going to, when he's nervous, it's going to pump rapidly, right? Like boom, 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 boom. Right. Being nervous. An athlete having the same quote unquote level of nervous, you know, being the same level of being stress. nervous. Mm -hmm. the level yeah, of stress. Same level of stress. Mm -hmm. Having the same level of stress. His heart can pump more blood. So it's going to be boom, boom, boom. So he's more calm, even though he, in his mind, he has the same level of stress. So the working out is more about your cardiovascular condition. So when you are in competition, you have more, and not only that, your your lungs are bigger sure. because you you have more uh, when you work out. You your breathing, your breathing technique, and everything. So you have more oxygen to your your lungs to bring oxygen to your blood. So you don't you have see? to pump as hard. Exactly. So remember the oxygen. The first thing that's gonna the oxygen is gonna bring oxygen to your blood, and the first thing that's going to receive that oxygen like in shooting effectively mm -hmm. your eyes mm -hmm. that's why when you stop breathing the first thing that you do is you lose your sight everything looks dark tunnel vision exactly, exactly. so yeah. you're working out it's important and like i said some people say oh well but you know uh i don't run three miles every day or anything like that, that's fine. But do something active. Even if you do sprints a little bit or just, you know, you're jogging, jogging a little bit or something that it will keep your heart pumping. It's developing that muscle. And probably sprints are going to be even better for those types of situations because your body's going to get used to those higher heart rates. Where sometimes long distance, your body adjusts in the middle of that 45-minute run and your heart rate starts going down and balancing out to where sprints it's like you're keeping it up constantly and then just and, drop back down yeah and you know when i used and obviously when i used to shoot an olympic shoot in venezuela I was part of the Olymp venezuelan olympic team so i had a team of doctors psychologists and all that so part of some of the exercise you know the the psychology is that having the ability to control your heart rate by thinking about an activity, being and, and picture this, being in a bed or just laying, just laying down, right? And the the doctor gives you like a story and makes your heart pumping. You have to imagine, and he's actually, you know, checking your your pulse. Right. And then he gives you a certain amount of time for you to reduce that using breathing techniques or using some other techniques. But if your heart is doesn't have that muscle, is not that strong, how can you develop that? It's more difficult. Yeah, the heart is a muscle, just like your legs or your biceps, your triceps. And it, it needs to be trained also. For sure. Right. And, and that's the difference. Sometimes I had a, my sister years ago, like perhaps 11, 12 years ago, she cut herself and we didn't even know. And that was the first thing she happened to her. She saw blood in her head and she passed out oh. completely. <laughs> she passed out. So she had to kind of hit her head. Zeke does that bad. too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> first sight of blood, he's out. She hit her Yeah, head. working in the medical field was horrible when I pass out seeing blood. It was like every five minutes I'd be on the floor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. That's why he's in radio now. 
<laughs> so she passed out and she went to the um she went to the hospital and all that and a lot of the doctors will rush to her room because her heart rate will go so low they thought she was having issues and she was just fine because you have we we have we used to train a lot and we have that um, you've got that mm-hmm. discipline yeah and muscle muscle trained, yeah. So since you've been shooting, have you ever had like a lapse in your fitness where you didn't work out for a couple of weeks and then when you went and shot, you could tell the difference? I do, like yeah. right now. <laughs> I've been, Speaking I've been, of. I heard, uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm very, I'm a very active person, but by writing the book and all that and working so hard, I pretty much forgot about working out. So right now I'm doing Sanity. And it, I can feel it. I mean, it is like, <gasps> I mean, you you could tell a person that works out for years and then you stop for sex and it's like you have never done. It. And you're like, really? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm it's the, better, in the same boat it, right now with you. Exactly. So it's yeah. better if you keep doing something. It doesn't matter if it's super intense, but keep that heart pumping, keep that heart working and mm-hmm. working harder. Is better than and doing plus that nothing. helps that helps your mind also. It helps you think clearer and be more decisive when you're in stressful situations. For sure. And another um, physical training that we had, because like I said, I used to do a lot of um, uh, work in the gym, like two hours every day when I used to be an athlete. And as you can, I'm not. You saw me. I'm not a big woman. But you're huge. in shape. You're fit. I mean, you're you're obviously physically fit. So, but the key is that the what the. Um, the exercise that we did, it was not to develop muscle. It was to develop resistance. Mm. All right? It's different. For instance, one of the exercises that I was prohibited on doing was to develop my bicep. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's because that would prevent show us my that, arm. Show us that beefer again. <laughs> Pop it up. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> because Hulk if Hogan. I develop my bicep, it will prevent my, my arm to, to stretch completely it will stay like this right so um working out with weight but for resistance it, it's very beneficial and it also helps your your muscle quickness uh, depending on the type mm-hmm. of exercises that you're doing and with shooting you know you want to be quick especially in your you know the arm muscles yeah. so i'm sure that was part of your routine as well right yeah well you know another um, exercise that we did is to develop this muscle right here Mm-hmm. Your forearm? Yes. And that, because that is pretty much just going to lock your wrist. Right. And that's what you need to do. You need to be able to lock your wrist that you cannot move my wrist, but yet I can be have my fingers free. That makes sense. We actually got to shoot a full auto the other day. Yeah. Uh, an M11. Nice. M11, yep. Nine millimeter nice. full auto. That was fun. That was beyond fun. <laughs> That was my first experience uh, shooting a full auto. Uh-huh. So I was That's just cool. like, oh, man, I got to get one of these. Yeah, definitely full auto is one of the is one of the way to have fun and yet having the adrenaline in less than 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three yeah. seconds. And spend a lot of money in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is like, wow. I think it was like it? eight seconds. Is yeah, that? I don't even think it was that. Oh, shit. How Was it like a 45 round or something like it that? Was, it had a lot because it took a little bit longer than it took when I was shooting that Mac 10. Yeah, so. it was like a 45 or 50 round mag in it. And 
I mean, it was like eight seconds. It was done. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much. Wow. It was that fast. Is, but we've got some fun. videos posted on our website of that coming. We've got one, and then we've got some more coming up. So people can on check YouTube. that out. On YouTube. On YouTube. So look, tell us a little bit about what you said. You're getting back into it. What What are you doing to work yourself back into shape right now? With all the traveling and everything that you do, do you have some tips for people who do a lot of traveling like you and a busy schedule? Well, basically what I well, I wake up every day around 6, 6.30 in the morning and get ready, you know, (laughs) really finish to wake up and all that. And I either go for a run. I really do like a 5K, which is, you know, three miles. Mm -hmm. And and then I just do a insanity workout, which is just like that insane. And I just alternate that one day running, one day this workout at home. Is it a weight workout or is it cardio? No, it's cardio. Cardio? It's cardio. I really like cardio. It is. It keeps me, you know, being fast. I want to be fast. I don't want to be slow. Right. So especially in, in even USPSA, USPSA competitions, you, you want to be fast. You want to run, stop right quick, acquire your target, shoot, and then and with the same go, time, yeah. ready to go for the, yeah, for the next you know, stage or it's all about quickness. targets. It, you have to be quick and you have to be um, ready, okay, in your mindset. Some people are just, you know, are afraid to run. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because of that. I mean, you can't pretend to run if you never, if you don't do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you can't just sit <laughs> yeah. and think about it. You have to actually do it. Exactly. So it's not only about, oh, yeah, I'm going to run this stage. I'm going to do this, this, this. But, you know, you really need to, to, to be to me, and that's my best advice, like I tell my students, is just try to be active because that gives you that confidence of, and it makes you feel more comfortable when you're moving around mm-hmm. with the firearm and, and a stage and a competition or whatever it is. Now, are you doing, are you um, integrating uh, a firearm or a training firearm in your exercises? Uh, like Zeke and I have been talking about in the last few weeks, we got one of the uh, next level training cert pistols. Uh-huh. And uh, we have been doing various and sunder exercises with that. Are mm-hmm. you do? Do you do something like that with within your exercise routine? No, not really. Um, I just do my my workout just to, like I just said, just to build up my heart, mm-hmm. to lower my pretty much lower my heart rate, and to to be more active. And as far as at home and doing dry fire, I just do my training in sections. Mm-hmm. Okay, like for instance, I'm gonna practice just the the draw, making sure before I practice the full draw, making sure that every single time my reaction is fast enough and my hand goes to the gun in the same position. Do you because time yourself? Re- um, sometimes, sometimes I really don't. Yeah. I just because. This is what happens with the time and drive fire. And oh yeah, right. so you draw fast and I did a drive fire in point eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but in drive fire, it's easy, right? What is difficult is trying to do everything exactly the same. You know, something that Bruce Lee said once. He said he feared more a person or a fighter that have mastered or he has practiced 10,000 times one kick than the guy that knows 10,000 kicks. Sure. Exactly. There's a big difference. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, said, Bruce Lee. I just yeah. ordered his book. I'm, I can't wait for it to come in. You, you know, you know something right. else he said. Uh huh. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> and talking lead has just jumped the shark. That was that was worth it to see her expression. <laughs> That was oh, good. That Lord. was a good one. You know, I, I actually I love Bruce Lee. I, I admire his he has a such a strong mindset. Everything that this guy said. It's just a shame he's dead right now. But yeah. man. That's one of, that's one of the reasons I ordered the book is I saw a documentary on him and they were talking about his philosophies and stuff and how a lot of businessmen have applied his philosophies to business because he basically came up with his own his own, his men, own mental his own discipline yeah. everything and uh, I mean that's what he was all about was yeah. discipline. Now go ahead and give some of the places where people can find out about the seminars. Get your book. Throw a few plugs in there. Yeah, well, the best way to do it if you go to my Facebook fan page, I post there every day, and uh, which is facebook.com/slash Gabby Franco Top Shot. Also, you can go to my website, www.gabbyfranco.com. There you can see all the information and, and what's going to happen. I'm going to be in a gun show this weekend, by the way. Awesome. Which gun show? <laughs> it's going to be the Florida Guns and Knives Gun Shop in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. What, yeah. And what are, the, what are the dates on that? Uh, it's going to be just this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I'm going to be signing books from 11 to 2 p.m., Okay. And signing autograph and all that. Oh, I didn't tell you also. I received uh, like this weekend. I received a original Top Shot All Star flag. Oh, awesome! Cool. Did they send that to you? Yes, that's cool. <laughs> awesome! Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. You gonna post that on your site? Yes, I will. I and behind, like yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of listeners in the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area, so make sure you go by and see Gabby this weekend and at the gun show. Yeah, check it out. Tell nice. tell tell her you heard her on uh, Talking, Talking Lead. Lead, and you're a leadhead. There you go. Uh-huh. And she'll give you a special shout out. <laughs> of course. At the show. Well, that's another Gabby on Guns wrapped up. Thanks, Gabby, for coming by again. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you next month. Bye. Awesome. If you can hear in the background, there's some uh, background noise. We actually have a guest here today, and it is... Do you want us to introduce you as Commander Mark McGinnis? Uh, We're going to throw Commander in there. We're doing Commander. Commander makes you you sound more badass. (laughs) If you throw throw Commander in there, then you got to put the emphasis on man. Of command. Man. All right. All right. <laughs> so we've got we've got Commander 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 Mark McGinnis here with us. Mark, how's it going? Gosh, hey, it's great. Left hand, how are you? Man. It's always great to hear hear from you. Awesome. Good to see you, man. I know you're burning up right now. We apologize about that. It's about 103 in the shade here in Austin. Wow. <laughs> In the air conditioning, it's 103, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. So we, w- we went through what we did with guns this week. Did you get to do anything with guns this week? You know, I didn't do anything with guns this week, but I did some with golf clubs that sometimes for me is like shooting guns because you never know where it's going to go. <laughs> Hey, you're both you're both sending projectiles downrange, right? Hey, I'm telling you, you got if you're on the same hole as me, you got to watch out because I can send them downrange pretty quick. <laughs> How'd you hit them today? I did all right. I just played nine, but I shot thirty nine. Missed some birdie putts. I got to work on my flat stick. Yeah, there you go. Practice, practice, practice. See, I usually That's shoot it. about a uh, seventy two to seventy five on nine. So. 
Well, yeah, but 39 <laughs> was on, like, the first three holes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ralph, Simplified, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. So, so I'll tell you a funny story, uh about uh, a jack wagon if you will <laughs> okay um, and so, we will uh, yeah yeah exactly so uh we we're at seal team four and uh our platoon was out at uh fort knox and we were training with uh ron bellin who's a great friend of talking lead yes um, he is yes sir yeah and uh reaper outdoors. he was running that's right he was running probably one of the most intense training blocks that we have the land warfare training block so we're out in the in the mcfarland outlying area this mfo or area that we train at fort knox and we're doing immediate action drills it's the stuff we do when we take contact and and our if you will uh, uh, sort of our little football plays that we execute game fire superiority put the enemy down and, and us to start maneuvering away from the contact so we can get out of there pretty quick and we've got lasers we've got optics we've got all kinds of bells and whistles on our guns and we have this new guy named kevin houston and uh kevin is a funny guy but he He's got a PEQ-2 or an infrared laser on his M4 that he's using. And uh, we do this just incredible, uh, what we call a run, where, you know, Ron and his boys are throwing grenade simulators. we got rounds cracking off everywhere. And we do what is the perfect immediate action drill, if, if there ever was one. And we're standing around and we're debriefing the thing and we get this sheepish little hand that goes up in the air. And it's Kevin, a new guy who doesn't want to say anything to begin with. But Kevin says, I lost my peck too. Now, that's a big deal because that's a very sensitive and controlled item. And so Ron, being the thorough seal that he is let me just say use that word <laughs> he has he has us now now we're in the middle of the woods at fort knox kentucky and we've been working in a, a click by click grid we're out all night long literally searching for kevin's peck too <laughs> and we never find kevin's peck too and and kevin kevin likes rap music right favorite rapper his favorite rapper is Tupac, oh and every seal, yeah, 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 every <laughs> seal has a, a nickname, and some of them are well deserved, and some of them are not so deserved, and you, you'd rather change it. But <laughs> that night, for from th that point forward, Kevin was known as Tupac <laughs> <laughs> for losing his peck too and being up all night. So that's our jack wagon story from Steel Team Four. Awesome. So that's cool. so so Tupac. We're, we'll make a little special, temporary, friendly jack wagon train for you, so you don't have to stay on there permanently. But yeah, you're, you you're on a, the jack wagon train. You get with a this get one. out of the jack wagon train free card. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, grew up in a small town outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, a little place called Monroe, uh, and then uh, I went to school on a football scholarship to uh, the Naval Academy. And nice. uh, while I was yeah, yeah. While I was there, I majored in uh, football, so I, I graduated. <laughs> I, I graduated in the top eighty-seven percent of my class, which I'm very proud of. There you go. But, uh, you know, yeah, I've, got a, so, I've got a question about that. Military yeah. football players, you know, yeah. Air, Air Force, West Point, Navy, all those guys. Do you still have to do everything that everybody else is going through as far as like the training and military stuff? Zeke, Zeke let me tell you, man. Uh, 
not only do we have to uh, do the military requirements and right. the academic load, but then you've got football. And football at the Division One level is it's like a job. Yeah, and yeah. It, it is it is year round. It's nonstop. So my lightest my lightest semester load. Now keep in mind, uh, a service academy is a five year degree compressed into four years. And so my lightest semester load was my uh, second semester senior year when football was over, and it was. 21 hours. Wow. You're, yeah, your average NCAA Division One athlete has to uh, have a minimum of 12 hours to be considered a full-time student. So, <laughs> that was left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was you guys. Yeah, yeah. that was us. So it is. Um, it's tough, and then you got the military requirements on top of that, and people think football players have a break. You know, there's a big. You know, there used to be uh, a big rub between the brigade of midshipmen and, and the football players because they thought we were getting all kinds of breaks. But that was when we were losing when I was there. But now that they're winning and going to bowl games every year, uh, the the brigade gets more liberty and free weekends than they ever have because of the football team. So they love. Them. <laughs> well, then, what was it two years ago that Navy had a game where they didn't throw a single pass and they won? Not a single pass. That we was led, amazing. Yeah, they've led the rush, led the nation in rushing. I don't know. It's been like six out of the past ten years or something crazy like that. They're. Uh, I tell you, it's amazing what that program is today, as opposed to what it was when I played there. We were. We were three and eight, five and six, one and ten, one and ten. So, wow. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I learned to play the game because I loved it, you know, not because we were going to bowl games and winning and that kind of thing. What position did you play? Free safety. I was a recruited quarterback, but they realized very quickly, day one on campus for me, (laughs) that I would never play on the offensive side of the ball. So they moved me to defense. (laughs) You must have been right away. You must have been a speedster then, playing free safety D1. Well, I was was about 5'11. 170 pounds dripping wet when I showed up there. And, uh, <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of weight to move, and I could move it pretty quickly. When I graduated, I was 6 feet 205, so I, I got quite a bit bigger. Yeah. Get a gross uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we've got uh, some questions we usually ask every guest, and this will kind of tell a little bit more about you, too. Uh, first one being, yeah. how did you originally get into firearms? Did you grow up around them? Was it the military your first time? You know, how, what kind of background did you have in firearms? I had zero. Growing up, I didn't, you know, Monroe's a small country town and all my friends hunted and shot and that kind of thing. And I, I never did it. You know, I remember my dad had a 22 caliber rifle in his closet that I don't think I ever saw him touch. Wow. And he certainly, yeah, he certainly never talked to me about it. I never went hunting. You know, I never did any of that. The first time I ever had a gun in my hand was when I showed up at the Naval Academy for free plea summer and they do, uh, basic rifle and uh, pistol marksmanship courses. And, and I, that was the first time I ever touched one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Never hunted, never shot, never anything. I think we've kind of got the second question, which is, do you have any military law enforcement background? Obviously, uh, that's what we've been talking about here for the last uh, 15, 20 minutes. So. Kind of delve into a little bit more on the Navy side. <laughs> if you, you want to go in more on that. Um, um, you know, when I graduated from the Naval Academy, uh, because I, I majored in football and not academics, uh, <laughs> I wasn't actually allowed to service select Naval Special Warfare, the SEAL program. Oh, wow. And um. Yeah, so my academic advisor at the academy, uh, he was a force recon marine, and he said, hey, Mark, no worries. 
go select Marine Corps, go to the basic school, get an infantry billet, and then uh, assess into the force reconnaissance program. Same thing, you'll love it. So I service selected the Marine Corps, uh, went to the basic school and finished 25 out of 270. Wow. And they, they... Much better they, than your uh, collegiate yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, 90% of your grade at, at the basic school is physical tests, uh, not necessarily academic. So <laughs> you can imagine I, I excelled there. So it made me an aircraft maintenance officer. So I, I went to work on helicopters. I don't mean to belittle or bemean a supporting service, but I felt like I wasn't using all the God-given talents that I had to pay back and to ensure that tomorrow's freedoms were the same as today. And so I had a bunch of of, uh, senior officers that would come to the locker room at practice after games, that kind of thing, and say, hey, if you ever need anything, let us know. And I started calling in, in favors. And the next thing you know, I become one of four Marine officers uh, in the history of the SEAL program to successfully transfer from the Marine Corps into the Navy and complete SEAL training. Oh, wow. That is so, awesome. Yeah, it's not the path I would recommend, but, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> the ends justifies the means in this case, I guess. So you're one of the smart jarheads, huh? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. How do you know I've been at the computer? How's, How's that? that? There's whiteout all over the screen. <laughs> you just say there's bullet holes in it. <laughs> yeah. awesome. How long did you, are, are you, are you currently a SEAL? You're reserved now, right? Yeah, um, still a SEAL reservist. I left active duty in uh, 2006. Okay. And had way too much time invested to walk away completely. But at the same time, I, I was I needed a break. I had two small children that had no clue who I was and 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 who I was as a person or as a dad or any of that. I mean, I missed basically the first four years of my daughter and the first two years of my son's life. Yeah, it was time for me to make a choice. You know, be a professional gunslinger for life or do the right thing and and uh, help raise two God fearing you know upright children to go on to do great things in this world and i i chose i chose family first so no regret the third question we ask when it comes to pop culture whether it's movies songs music video tv shows video games (laughs) whatever if it involves firearms what's your go-to what is my go-to yeah what's Um, your favorite don't say navy seals (laughs) yeah charlie sheen movies do not count You ever heard the song uh, by Chevelle, Then the Pain Below? Yes. That, that's my go-to. Yeah, that's a good song. That, that, and, then, and then, you know, I got, I got a cheesy side, too, right? So, <laughs> no. Are um, you going to sing it? You know, it, it, <laughs> we already had one Navy SEAL sing on the show. Feel free. No, no, no. You're not, not going to hear me sing, but uh, <laughs> uh, have you guys ever heard uh, Pat Benatar's Running with the Shadows of the Night? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you wow. go. <laughs> We're children of the age. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm comfortable in, 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 in my manhood, if you will. So I, I got no problem saying that, uh, you know, I can see uh, a whole, like, helmet cam video of us doing what we're doing and running with the shadows of the night in the background. (laughs) I could see that in the movie. Next question that we ask, is there any firearm that you currently or have ever owned that you would be ashamed to admit to anyone that you owned? Even if it's a little part of it. No, you know, I I got a compact Glock 45 at home uh, that I have. 
and I bought it because uh, my wife, Patty, uh, she's a very petite lady, small hands, right? And uh, with that Glock 45, she she can manipulate everything with one hand. Fits in her purse, you know, the whole nine yards. So I don't know that there's one that I'd be ashamed of, but I'll tell you one that almost bit me in the butt. Yeah, let's hear bad. that. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, I take my kids home to my mom's in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Monroe, you know, every summer, right? And uh, they go, she takes them up to Tweetsie Railroad up in the in Boone in the mountains of North Carolina. Uh-huh. And they, they do their thing in this log cabin for a couple of days. And, and my little guy, Kellen, he's 10 now, and he's been going up there since he's three i think he, he, that kid is gun crazy we went out to buds <laughs> nice. a couple of months we were, yeah we went out to buds a couple of months ago and the third phase and so we got a back tour you know vip tour and all that backstage vip tour and all and they they brought out all the weapons and oh, telling my 10 year old is stumping the seal instructors on the weapon <laughs> in terms of you know, max effective uh, range and cyclic rate of fire. And, I mean, all the nomenclature, he was killing them. Yeah. And they asked, they go, Where, where'd you get all this info? You know, is your dad? He's like, no, Black Ops too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I take my kids, I drop them off, they go up to the mountains, I fly back to Texas, and then, like, a week later, I fly back up and I spend the night, you know, and I get up early in the morning with my kids. My mom's packed them. We're carrying our bags onto the plane. You know, we're all set to go. So we're going through security with TSA, and my little guy goes through with his bags, and then my daughter Reagan goes through with her bags, and, and I put mine up on the belt. And the TSA agent looks at me and says, yeah, has your bag gone through yet? And I said, no, ma'am. And she goes, well, you might want to grab it. We're going we're gonna to shut this lane down. And I was like, oh, did you find something? And she, she said, yeah. So I got to grab my bag. We're in the Charlotte airport. I got to grab my bag. I got to go like three lanes down. I got to wait a few minutes, as, you know, for people to clear out, for me to go through. I, I get to the other side uh, of uh, security, and I'm going to find Reagan and Kellen. Now, they've been traveling since they were two months old, each one of them, right? So, you know, they, it's the, the airport's not their first rodeo. And so uh, I go over to the uh, the side there where they went through, and there's like five police officers in uniform, like 20 TSA agents in uniform, and then a bunch of suits. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, something must have gone down. And I get a little closer, and then I see the police officers. You know, they got somebody up against the wall, but I can't, I can't really see. So I get a little closer. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see. My eight-year-old son, Kellen, ready on the wall with the police officers patting him, right? So here we go, big trouble in little China, right? Dad, Navy SEAL instincts, uh, and then the dad instincts, you know, they they kick in. I'm pushing TSA agents out of the way. I'm grabbing (laughs) cops, throwing them. And I grab my son, you know, and and scoop him off. He's crazy, scared. He's crying. He doesn't know what's going on. And. You know, I turn around and I look at those guys and I'm like, this is my eight-year-old son. If any of you all have issues, you need to run them through me. You know? So so out comes my military ID. I hand it to them, you know, and and in the picture, they can see, uh, in the picture, you can see my trident. And uh, I guess a couple of them were former military guys, so they see that and all of a sudden the eyebrows start going up and all of a sudden things get a lot more calm. Uh And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we sat there. That's exactly right. We sat there for two hours. While they oh, uh, they go through our stuff, 
they're asking, you know, and, and I looked at the police officers and I go, shame on you guys. You know, you got real firearms on your side. And, you know, my mom had bought my son uh, oh, a cap no. at Tweetsie and packed it in his suitcase, you know, with the orange barrel, the whole nine yards, and they're freaking out because it shows up on the X-ray It imprints on the x-ray machine. Oh. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So here we are, telling Spread Eagle up against the wall. They're patting him down because they think he's got a gun. Eight years old. But, wow. uh, so oh I got this, finally, this TSA agent, you know, we've missed our flight. Our next flight is coming up. We've got like 20 minutes to get down there. And I, I look at the TSA agent and I go, look, you're going to either arrest me or I'm leaving. And, uh, cause we've got another flight and he goes, you need to go. So take off. He, he said, but you may get a letter from TSA. I'm like, okay, Wonderful. no problem. He goes, Send us a letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll just document what happened. So I get this letter from TSA like a month later, fining me for $25,000. What? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not a letter. And, and putting me, put me on the, like, the, uh, the watch list for flying. Oh, my and gosh. So, you know, it's got three options. You know, you can, you can elect to pay the fine in full. You can pay half the fine and, and, and uh, promise you'll never do it again kind of <laughs> thing. Or you can... You can request a, a hearing with one of their attorneys. And I, I check, you know, option C, of course, and mail it back in. <laughs> yeah. uh, an appeal and a hearing with one of the uh, TSA attorneys. And a couple of weeks later, I get a very nice TSA uh, lawyer on the phone who uh, asked me, hey, tell me what happened. And I explained the story about grandchildren visiting grandma, and she buys a a cap gun and a snow globe that got <laughs> confiscated because it had more than three and a half ounces of liquid what? in it. You know, you, now, now you got a, an eight and a ten year old crying because the gifts that their grandmother gave. I, I didn't know this, but uh, in her suitcase, she had a snow globe that uh, the TSA agents confiscated because it had more than three and a half ounces of liquid in it. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> and, and so, uh, uh, the the agent was very nice on the phone call. The lawyer, I should say, was very nice on the phone, um, and she was very sympathetic to the calls of a of a dad who's traveling with his children, who has gifts from their grandmother that shouldn't have necessarily been in checked in baggage, but oh well, or, or carry on baggage, I should say. And so my my whole point is make sure that you check the baggage that your grandmother packs for your grandchildren, <laughs> and that's so how. Have, no globes or cap guns. And that's how you turn a cheap little cap gun into a $25,000 firearm. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh that's, the most expensive, that's the most expensive weapon I've ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> I take it you got out of that fine, though. <laughs> yeah, I did get out of the fine. And she was very nice about that. She said, don't worry about that. You know, we'll take you off the watch list for flying and that kind of thing. And I go, well, you know, I hope so. And I I explained to her my background, my military service, and what I do, and that kind of thing. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, we probably don't respond. <laughs> well, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Mark, is we've done a couple of videos with the hats you gave us, which, you know, as you can see through the video yep. we got And on. shirts. And shirts. Yeah, man, thank you for sending I, I them. I like um, it. 
The foundation like that you founded, the Seal Legacy Foundation. On yeah. your website, I'm just going to read this little thing over here on the side. So the the Seal Legacy Foundation, which was founded by by Mark, it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support to families of wounded and fallen United States Navy SEALs. They provide educational assistance for SEALs and their families and other charitable causes benefiting the SEAL community. Foundation was established in 2011 by SEALs to preserve their legacy of no one left behind. That's kind of the seal motto, right? Left-handed is. Um, we have a, uh, a very proud legacy in the seal community. And uh, no seal has ever been captured. And no seal has ever been left on the field of battle, dead or alive. What we seek to do at the Seal Legacy Foundation is extend that legacy to the families of our fallen and wounded seals. If you guys remember uh, August 6th of 2011, Extortion 17, a helicopter carrying 17 Navy SEALs in Afghan, the mountains of Afghanistan, yeah. uh, was shot down. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, when the manifest was released, you know, the list of, of who was on the helicopter, my phone started ringing. There were uh, SEAL communities, a small community. There's, you know, 2,000 of us. And you either, you know everybody, you've either gone through training or served with and you know everybody knows everybody we started looking at that manifest and and uh, a couple of us you know knew every single one of them yeah. and then we started thinking about their wives because we know them and their kids we said uh oh you know we, we we've got a problem sure. and since since 9/11 we've lost 74 of our brothers and they leave behind 64 children wow. and so we we uh we do what we can with the time that we're given to do what, what, we, what we can do for those families. And it's been, I, I tell everybody this, uh, we're less than two years old and uh, about 21, 22 months at this point. And the response has been overwhelming. Everywhere I go trying to raise awareness, number one, and then funds, and, and as much as we're in the business of fundraising, we're in the business of what I call friend raising as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we are blown away by the the by how deep the roots of patriotism are in this country, and how these people just want to give so much of not only uh, uh, their financial assistance but their time, their energy, and their effort. You know, and so it's the greatest job I've ever had that uh, I don't want because I, I I don't want there to be a need. Right. Sure. But. Uh, yeah, but as long as there is one, we'll continue to serve. Y'all really do a lot of amazing stuff. I know one of the guys you work with, Steve, was telling me a story earlier. A lot of people have seen the picture of the the um, the coffin where the dog, the seal dog, had come up and laid down next to the coffin. That was one of those guys you were talking about, right? And y'all did some stuff for his parents? Uh, yeah, for his family. So th- this was a single seal that owned a house in Virginia Beach. And when he passed, his his uh, parents uh, inherited the responsibility or, or assumed the responsibility for the mortgage on the house. And so now they've got not only their their home, but, but his home as well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're not talking about, you know, most of the SEALs don't come from a privileged background. We're talking about blue-collar, salt-of-the-earth, you know, great Americans who, who don't do it for the money, who don't, you know, come from a lot of means you know these are people that are overwhelmed by 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 tragedies like this and and so we stepped in and we picked up the mortgage for uh for their son's home so they they could pay their own basically um we've done stuff uh we've we've done a lot of that work mortgage assistance where 
you know, a great example I would give you is we had we had a young SEAL who was uh, uh, wounded in Afghanistan, double uh, double amputee below the knee, in extended rehab at Bethesda. Uh, his dad is a general contractor uh, in a remote area of the United States who uh, it, he is a man of one, his company. And if he's not home building houses and doing work, no one's general. And he, you know, and rightfully so, moved to Bethesda uh, to be with his son to help him through rehab. But nobody's paying the bills back home. So mm-hmm. we stepped in and picked up the mortgage for uh, for their home. You know, it's, it's, it's little things like that. You know, it, it's... Um, we had a, a widow who the homeowners association in the neighborhood that she was living in was was uh, giving her a little bit of uh, grief about some repair work that needed to be done that she couldn't afford. So we please tell me we, y'all swooped in and beat the crap out of all the HOA people. <laughs> we, 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 that's common. That, that's the that's the that's phase two of our program. Phase yeah, one is I'm the, not a fan of HOAs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we've done things like that. We've done stuff where uh, we're setting up a program. A lot of these parents can't afford to visit their sons. Most of their sons are buried in Section 60 at Arlington, and hmm. uh, a lot of them can't afford to visit their sons gravesite and wow. so we're setting up a program to take all of the families to arlington spend a couple of days there and go home we do transition assistance for most of these wives are stay-at-home moms who are everything they, they i mean they're they do everything for the family because dad wears a beeper and you never know when he's going to be gone when he's coming back that kind of thing and so these wives are faced with the choice that you know they were the the reality that they've got to go back to work or they've got to join the workforce force for the first time in order to provide for the family so we we've got programs that help identify life skills that turn into job skills that build resumes that help with placement into jobs and networking and that kind of thing um who's all right, yeah. so we we had a little break there. Uh, we were having a little internet issues, so techni- technicality. So we Technical called issues. Mark on the phone, and now we're gonna talk to him phone wise. So you were telling us about a chief. Well, I was telling you about a, uh, a SEAL chief that his wife was pregnant and was actually in labor, delivering their second son, and uh, unfortunately ran into complications and uh, she passed away. And oh. so, yeah, now we got an active duty chief. You know, he's staring down the barrel of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in, in funeral arrangements and child care and all this stuff that hmm. you know, this guy's trying to be a, a combat deployable asset. And the next thing you know, he's he's got two children that, that don't have a mom anymore. And so our foundation steps in and, and we take care of all those costs and, and we, you know, provide him with childcare and not only that, but we're, we're working now with transition assistance to help identify a job for him because he's, he's made the decision that he didn't want to stay on active duty kind of thing. So our, our guardian program, the real I think differentiating factor or what makes us different than any other foundation out there is, you know, most foundations are, are transactional in nature. In other words, you've got a need. We step in as a foundation and we give you money or we give you a program and we step back. And then right. somebody else has a need and we give them money or a program and we step back. Our guardian program seeks to establish lifelong relationship and, a, and an overwatch, if you will. Through our guardian program, you know, we're providing access to life experiences, 
and uh, uh, life needs, and it's outside of the financial realm. You know, it's helping get kids get into a school that they couldn't get into, or it's, you know, we've got a, a active duty SEAL that dies in Afghanistan, and right before he left, he bought a new truck, and that truck sits in the driveway every day, and his wife and nine-year-old daughter have to wake up every morning, walk outside to get in the car to go to school, and walk past dad's truck. Oh, man. And have that reminder that, dad's not coming home so we make one one phone call through our guardian program and we're connected with sam pack ford who's one of the largest car dealerships in the country 80 dealerships all across the united states unbelievable people there and brian youth their general manager i make one phone call and brian makes a phone call and the next thing you know two gentlemen show up in virginia beach in the driveway they take the truck and they leave they leave a check for more than the value of the of the truck to begin with that's amazing you know so it's it's stuff like that you know i mean it's, it's stuff where we're, we're taking care of of people's homes you know we had uh we had a reserve seal with multiple combat deployments uh multiple combat decorations uh, he wakes up Christmas morning, goes into the hospital because he's bleeding through from the nose and the and the uh, ears. And the uh, they bring a neurosurgeon into consult, and he's told he's got a massive brain tumor, and and you know it's, it's time to say his goodbyes. And in true SEAL fashion, you know, three months later, it's not you know he lives for three more months. But when he when he passes, when he finally succumbs to the tumor, is you know his, his wife asked that he be buried in Arlington. No because he's not an active duty SEAL. Hmm. No, he gets no government benefits because he's not a retired reservist. He's not a uh, reservist on active duty, none of that. So you know, she's a mom with, with four kids that homeschool. Somebody's got to help help with that mortgage. Somebody's got to help with the utility bills. You know, what, what we're trying to do, guys, I guess the best way to sum it up is we're trying to provide some sense of normalcy during the most challenging times that families will experience sure and and, that and not is, only that uh, but you guys you guys go beyond that um you continue yeah. on even after right. immediate needs that's are right. are attended to and you continue that support and that's what's amazing about yeah. your foundation yeah. that's exactly you know it's a it's a brotherhood you know and we say that uh in the seal community all the time you know we talk about the brotherhood and and that's exactly what it is we want those families to know that uh, your dad's brothers are here for you, and they will make sure that you're taken care of for life, and that 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 his sacrifice was not alone, and, and will always be remembered, and you will always have a bunch of uncles that, that will be there for you, regardless exactly, of your yeah. name. That's awesome. Yeah. It's an amazing foundation, and. Tell tell everybody how they can be a part of this foundation, Mark. Um, so uh, we, we do a couple of uh, big events every year. We do a gala in Dallas, and this year it'll be November the 7th at the Ritz-Carlton there in Dallas. Um, and we do a golf tournament in Houston in May, uh, around the 20th of May. It's the Monday morning between the Colonial and the Byron Nelson Classic, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, then uh, the best way for people, if they don't, if they can't, or they don't want to attend the gala or the, play in the golf tournament, the best way for people to help is uh, one. You know, our, our biggest challenge is awareness, and I, I tell people all this all the time. You know, it, it, it would mean more to me for you to go out and tell twenty of your friends about us and what we're doing than it would be 
you know, than, 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 than you writing us a, uh, you know, a, a check for money because, you know, the more people we can reach, the more people we can touch and, and get the message out to, uh, the more support we're going to get. So you can, you can tell people all about us and, and then, you know, you can tell them to go to www.seallegacy.org is our website. And, uh, there are ways to donate right there on the website. Everything he's saying is, is just amazing things that their foundation does. And we wanted with this show to be able to help out organizations like this, but we're going to be very, very tight on deciding who it is because there's we're a lot of foundations selected. out there that, you know, right. they raise billions of dollars, but only 10% of it goes to what they're talking about doing. And then they have yeah, boards yeah. where or it doesn't go towards anything that they tell you that it goes right. towards. But then you got, these guys are right. legit. Uh, they're on yeah. the up and up. It's yeah. a great foundation. Um, go to their website, www.seallegacy.org, and look at their uh, their Trident Society. Become a member of their Trident. Tell us a little bit about the Trident Society, Mark. Yeah, so uh, the Trident Society is a way for people to uh, pledge continual support. In other words, we would love for people to sign up to donate a certain amount of money each month so that we can fund. You know, I mean, we got 74 scholarships that we're looking to endow at this point, just in our, uh, in our honored seal legacy scholarship program. And we need people, we need, we, we need continual support that we can, we can count on. And so the Trident Society allows one, a way for people to pledge ongoing monthly support, but also a way for us to recognize them. You know, and if, if you join the Trident Society, you get a great uh, lapel pin that designates your level of, uh, of support that you can wear proudly. And, and it's also, you know, like the SEAL teams, we're the silent professionals, so it's not some gaudy, you know, lapel pin that screams a uh, certain message. It's a very understated Neptune's spear that if you if you know what you're looking at, the the educated observer will get it right away. And it's a great thing to wear with pride and that kind of thing. And so uh, we really look for people to, to do that so we have that ongoing support that we can, can count on. But you said something a minute ago about you know, 10%, you know, in most foundations, that kind of the thing that I'm the proudest of uh, in regards to our foundation and the way we set it up, you know, we're, we're unique because we were founded by and run by and for Navy SEALs. So SEALs founded it, SEALs run it, and it's intended for SEALs and their families. And we are proud to say that 80% of every dollar donated goes directly to its intended cost. That's amazing. You don't yeah. you don't hardly see that anymore in nonprofits, and that's no, one thing we really no. liked about y'all's organization. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's uh, it's something that we want to, you know, it's we don't look at this as uh, we don't look at it as our money. Uh, when people entrust us, and that's what it is, people are taking, you know, they're giving their trust in us as an organization to do with their money, not our money, but their money, what it is they want. And that is they want to help these families that have done so much for them that they, they may never have the opportunity to thank these people personally so they can do the next best thing and they can give 
money, they can give support, they can drive awareness, they can do all kinds of things that give back to those that have given them so much. And so we look at, we take our role as stewards this money very, very seriously. And as fast as I can get it, I want to put it in the hands of of those that need it. And when when you say 80%, I mean, some some listeners are probably saying, well, what happens to the other 20%? Well, you know, it's an organization and they've got, you know, they've got costs, they've got overhead. That's you know, right. the That's websites right. aren't free. That's right. And you've got a very nice website, and it's very interactive at yeah. the uh, SealLegacy.org. So that, you know, like Zeke was saying, is phenomenal that, you know, that much of the money coming in, your overhead is that low that you can give that yeah. much back. You know, we're, we're very fortunate. Uh, I tell people all this all the time. Um, SEALs are great at pulling triggers, right? Uh, but but when it comes to uh, running foundations, um, we, we aren't we aren't the, the brightest lights on Broadway. Uh, we know the difference between right and wrong. Don't get me you know don't don't misunderstand uh, my point. But we needed help, and yeah. so we got a group called Coaching Charities. Who they are phenomenal, and their main effort in life is running uh, helping people run charitable foundations, gotcha. and so. They they have been phenomenal for us in, in helping us. We went from idea, you know, this is almost impossible to do, but we, we went from idea, you know, inception to reality. And what I mean by reality is 501c3 approval from the IRS and our first gala, our first event in five weeks. Wow. Five weeks. That's and we huge. raised over half a million dollars at our first event wow. in Dallas. Yeah. And and that that's you know in, <laughs> in true what I call typical true seal you know form you know we we make the impossible possible kind of thing but in this in this case it would not have been possible without Kevin Kaplan and and Phil He too and and the the band of Mary Brothers there at Coaching Charities phenomenal people check out Seal Legacy Foundation what's the website left hand. That'd be www.sealllegacy.org, sealllegacy.org. Any final words, Mark, on the foundation? No, um, I, I can't thank you guys enough for, for bringing attention. No need. A, this is uh, our pleasure, man, seriously. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, guys, let, let me say this about wrapping up my thoughts about the foundation and, and thanking you all for having me bring this to attention and bring it out. But SEALs are, are thought to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof and superhuman in some ways. But the reality of, of, of it is we're just as vulnerable as the average American is. And we need them to be our 10 feet tall, bulletproof, superhuman heroes to take care of us in our in our time of need. And so I would just ask that people think long and hard about supporting a cause that often goes overlooked due to the secretive nature of our work. Sure. So well thank said. you. Well yeah. said. Our Very pleasure. Well and guys... Seriously, go to their website, check out the Trident Society. That's, you know, you're not comfortable with a set donation each month, then you can just go donate a flat dollar amount, and there's a a link on there to do that too. Or like you said, tell 10 to 100 of your friends. Just get involved. Yeah. Well, Mark, now it's time for Facts Facts to Fight fight the Myths. myths. (laughs) And since you are our guest, what is your myth and the fact to fight it? Uh, um, 
You know, I think the, the greatest myth about seals uh, is that we're, we only do stuff in the water. And, you know, that's, that's, that's not entirely true. I'd say that was myth. You know, we use water as a means to get somewhere to do something. The fact that I would give you is, you know, I was on active duty for five years after 9-11. And I think the only time I was ever wet after 9-11 was when I was taking a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that that, uh, we were doing as as SEALs was two things. You know, we find you through special reconnaissance, and then we finish you through direct action. And those are skill sets that are vital in the war against terrorism, and we specialize in it. We're not there to win your hearts and minds. We're not there to speak your language or learn your culture. We're there to do two things, find you and finish you. And I never got wet doing that. I got wet taking a shower, cleaning up afterwards, though. <laughs> Source. So, let's hand what's your fact to fight the myth this week? I don't think we've done this one. Okay. But if we have, so what? <laughs> We're going to do it again. Guns need to be cleaned every time they are fired. That is a that. myth. You don't need to completely clean your gun after you know every trip to the range. You know, especially if you're going to be going out shooting the next day or, you know, or something like that. The only time you really want to give them a good, deep cleaning is for long storage periods. Yep. Um, you know, and we've had several guests on here that can attest to the fact that you don't need to clean your guns, especially Glocks, you know, with um, Jaeger, Gunny, Hickok. Each of them both, or all three of those guys, have at least done, what, two or 3,000 rounds that they've said through through a Glock and never even touched it, so... You know, you want to keep them well lubed. You know, lubrication and cleaning are two different things. Yes. So don't get me wrong on that. And you always want to consult with your, your gun's manufacturer on the recommended uh, amount and, and way to lube it. But, uh, yeah, you don't need to clean them every single time you go out and shoot. So we've got some new listener feedback this week. One of them being, remember the guy back uh, a couple months ago that said he gave us a four-star review on iTunes? And said as soon as we have a reloading show that he would update that uh-huh. and give us five stars. Yeah. Well, guess what? Did he go update it? He updated it. Because we called him out on it. We did call him out on it. <laughs> and uh, he said he loved the show back in, back when he gave this review. Yeah. And uh, said, how can a show named Talking Lead not have a show about reloading? And we did it. So his edit as of 7-14-2013, he says, great show on reloading with Hickok 45. The show pushed the review to five stars. Now get into reloading. Please tell all prospective reloaders. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> please tell all prospective reloaders in a future show to make sure to use eye protection when reloading. So use eye protection when you're reloading. This is a must. Primers are explosive and will call, cause eye injury or loss of vision. Use eye protection. He must also add that this podcast has very clear audio. <laughs> well, we, we kind of screwed the pooch on that one tonight, but... <laughs> yeah, at least but, half. But we, we, we got it fixed. It came across pretty good, uh, which is very nice to people with hearing difficulties like me. Thanks a lot for that, and I agree with the earlier reviewer. You sound like Jace from Duck Dynasty, left hand. <laughs> who? He says you sound like Jace from Duck Dynasty. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I've only watched those episodes you made me watch before we went and visited them. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, just, I don't have time to watch... TV all the time. Of course, I have time to watch all these movies, though, don't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and play Call of Duty. And play Call of Duty. Next one is Great Podcast, Five Stars by Viper One. One of the best gun podcasts out there, and the tool logic is a good knife for the price. Keep up the good work. Holy 
it's Viper. <laughs> He's probably saying, holy sh**, it's Maverick and Goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. All right, so here's one from Jason. It says, love the show, love the podcast. It's my top three podcast right now for my commute to, to from work, so I typically never miss an episode. Question for you guys and a request. Should I read that like Casey Kasem? I have a question for you guys <laughs> and a request. Have no. <laughs> any of your guests said Act of Valor for their go-to movie? Oh, we have a good mm. guest to talk about Act of Valor. No, that's I, I, I didn't even do. say that. <laughs> yeah. Question. No, we haven't, as a matter of fact. Uh, so he says, that is my personal current go-to movie because it shows actual badasses doing really cool stuff on the screen. Granted, the whole movie feels like a recruiting commercial for the U.S. Navy. You have to watch it with a grain of salt. Rotten Tomatoes hated it because of the canned storyline and stuff. Rotten Tomatoes sucks anyway. <laughs> but I usually don't let someone else's opinion affect how I feel about a movie. And you shouldn't. You should watch a movie and draw your own conclusions. Don't even let, take our opinions on movies. Go watch them. Definitely don't take our opinions on movies. <laughs> but it's yeah. cool because it shows the subtitles of how they uh, how they operate. Like 98% of the shots fired are semi-auto versus full auto. And how they tap each other on the shoulder when they're clearing rooms, houses, uh, etc. And since you guys actually get to talk to real Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Delta Force guys, Mark, Navy <laughs> SEAL, I'd be interested to hear what they thought of the SEALs that agreed to do the movie and what they think of the movie. Uh, that's the request. So, so that's perfect timing, Mark. Uh, you can you can talk about it if you want to, Mark. If you got no comment, just say no comment. Let me give you a little bit of background there. So that, that movie originally, so SOCOM has a directive out there. The Special Operations Command has a directive out there to grow uh, the SEAL community. They want to double its size. And it is such a challenging uh, thing to do because our our attrition rate to buds, you know, run at eighty percent. You know, my class started with two hundred forty four candidates, and six months later, when we were finished, there were seventeen of us left standing. And wow, that's typical, man! Right? Yeah, yeah, that's typical, right? And so they've got all these outreach programs. The recruiting directorate now has all these outreach programs to include an unbelievable partnership with the NFL, where we send uh, my last team chief, Sean Johnson, who just retired, and after. 25 years of service as a Navy SEAL Master Chief Corpsman. If that wasn't challenging enough, now he's he's just finished his first year of med school at Virginia Tech. You know, wow. give me some more. You know, I don't have enough kind of thing. <laughs> he, he and some others were going around to all the NFL combines and meeting with the athletes, saying, hey, if this whole football thing doesn't work out for you, we got a professional athlete job that you might take a look at. And so – Unbelievable outreach programs going on, and this was a two-and-a-half-minute uh, recruiting commercial when it was first shot. Really? And Yeah, yeah, and the uh, NSW, the recruiting command, um, um, they, uh, they shot it in Hollywood. They thought, oh, my goodness, we might actually have something here. They shot it in Hollywood, and the Bandito brothers, the producers, saw it and jumped all over it. And it, it was like a, a five-year if I'm not wrong about that, it was like a five-year production to create that two-and-a-half-hour storyline or, or, or movie. And so uh, 
one of the things that's really, really cool, I think, about that movie, you know, regardless of what you think about whether we should or should not have made it, you know, that kind of thing. One of the things that's it's, it's just very striking about it is the storyline. Each one of the vignettes, you know, each one of the events in the, the process or the unfolding of that movie, they're all true. They're taken from real-world SEAL operations that have been changed in some way, shape, or form, you know, to protect the names and the actual operational sensitivities, but it's all true. And it is the truest adaptation of what life or depiction of what life is like in our world. Wow. And so for for that, I'm I'm really proud of it. And uh, I, I know the guys. I know most of the guys that were in the movie. You and know, they, were all real they were all real oh, seals, yeah. right? All, all real seals, all great guys, you know, and I served with several of them or went through buds with them. You know, I mean, again, it's a small community and you know everybody. And so uh, uh, I'm really proud of the work that they did and, and, and what they stood for and and why they did it. You know, they, they did it because Naval Special Warfare came to them and they asked them to do it to help the community, to help it grow. To ultimately answer the needs of the nation, because we need more seals, and this is a way to to do it. And so they they put their their ego and their pride and their sense of selflessness aside, you know, for the greater good. Yet yet again, you know, that's what we do. And so that that's how I. Look. Plus, they actually had some acting chops. You know, they yeah. did a pretty good yeah. job. I mean, that that was a better better than a lot of B actors like Christian Slater and you know people like that that they yeah. could. They could have got that's to do exactly, it. Yep, that's exactly right. No I mean, offense, Christian, I'm, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm proud of them for what they did. And, uh, you know, for answering the call of, of the community, you know, when it needed people to step up and do it, and ultimately, you know, answering the call of a nation that, that's in need. Yeah. So if we, if we can grow more seals out of something like that, then, hey, you know what, I'm all about it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming in or calling in and talking to us about the Legacy Foundation, giving us a little insight into you and your background. It's been fun. We've had a blast. No, it's been my pleasure, guys. You do great things on your show. I'm all about talking lead. Thank I'm you. All about the cause. I'm all about the causes that you all support. If there's anything at all that I can do for you guys in the future, please don't hesitate to call on me. And same to you. We'd love to get together and uh, – do some fundraisers or events with you or anything along those yeah, lines. Yeah, anything we can do to help you out, you let us know. Anytime you want to be on the show, let us know. If you got a uh, event coming up to promote, let us know. I love it. I lo- I'd love to have you guys in Dallas in November, so let me know. Awesome. That's yeah. a good time to be there because it's cool. Yes. <laughs> it's cooler. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So we'd like to thank our sponsors, Firearms Radio Network. That's firearmsradio.tv. Holder and Green Professional Real Estate Services, HG Press. 1-800-615-1840, extension 2222. Ask for Tia or Marty, and they will handle all your Middle Tennessee real estate needs. All or Nothing Tattoo Studios. That's www.allornothingtattoo.com. And their gear store, strangledholdmerch.com. Hey, I just got to say this. I just got to say this about your uh, your tattoo company sponsor uh-huh. <laughs> i don't i don't think there could be a more appropriate name for a tattoo company than all or nothing tattoo oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah 
you get it all in or you're all out. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> There's no half ass in it, is there? Oh, I love that. I think Next oh, yeah. Level Training uh, for providing us with our CERT pistol, which we are getting all kinds of use out of. We are loving. And as always, left hand, keep your loved ones close. And keep your firearms closer. Keep your fins wet and your powder dry, gentlemen. <laughs>